Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So I want to thank Pastor Earl for giving me the opportunity to speak um, while he's out. While he's out um, for the thing I'm really excited about tonight um, and what we've kind of got going into. There's a decent amount. For those of you who have me with the Chemist too, you know that I can, I can go the full amount of time. Um, and so, you know, jokingly, my, you know, a pastor texted me and was like, hey, you know, make sure you get him out of there before 10. Um, and I said, I will definitely only do 45 minutes per closing, I promise. So, you know, just keep track of those closings and we'll know kind of where we are going from here. So tonight, um, you know, I want to talk to you guys about purpose for a moment. And I'm not talking about like, I want to talk about purpose for a moment, but I want to talk about purpose for a moment, right? And so we're going to jump in to scripture here, and we're going to read a pretty good chunk right out the gate to kind of set where we're going, and then we're going to get somewhere, I promise. Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28 says... And we know, and I'm reading out of the um, Amplified, which they got up there, great. And we know with great um, confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good, for those who love God and to those who are called according to his his plan and purpose. So God causes all those things to work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his plan and purpose. Right. For those whom he foreknew and loved, he chose beforehand. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those who he called, he also justified, declared free of guilt of sin. And those he justified, he also glorified, raising them to heavenly dignity. What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? He who did not spare even his own son, um, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen, chosen ones? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in the right relationship with him. Who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, who was raised from the dead and was at the right hand of God interceding with the Father for us. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us for i am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, that is a great passage. You know, if we could really just start talking about ourselves like that, 
right? Sometimes you read certain things in the Bible, and I hope when you go through the Bible reading plan, you try to make things real to yourself, right? We don't just want to read words, right? As in, you know, I'm not the biggest reader. I'm not known for being a huge reader. You know, I've more so last year tried to get into it and like crack into some things, but for the most part, I'm really not a big reader. I'm definitely one of those people that can like read a chapter and then realize that I wasn't actually reading the whole time and then feel like I have to go back and like reread the chapter that I just read. Right. I'm one of those people. So for me, when I sit down, I'm like in the Bible, I got to make point to like make sure I'm like focused. I've like separated out things. I've like taken out time. I'm not one of those people that can just have like a lot of distractions around because when reading's happening, I got to be in it. Otherwise, I'm going to read it like six times and still not really retain anything. Right. So we want to make sure when we're reading, man, we look at these things. Sometimes you just realize, man, just this section alone, if I just spoke this over myself all the time, the confidence that comes from this thing to know, man, God is with us. God is for us. He's been overwhelmingly with us. Just like we saying, you know, ultimately it's his victory. Right. He we overcome through his victories and he will always win. Right. So we understand if we go back, because this is like, a, you know, at the first part, I'm going to jump back up to the top. And it says, you know, um, in 28, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his plan and purpose. Right? I like this section because this section, I feel like, is one of those you know, parts of the Bible that people like to leave out where it's like, well, all things will work together for the good. And then we like stop and forget that there's the follow up that says for those who love God and are called according to his plan and purpose. See, there's more than just like, oh, all things are good. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. God's got me. No, am I qualified to receive the good that will be worked? Am I loving God, right? Am I one of those who loves God? Have I been called according to his plan and purpose? Am I filling into this thing? But we know God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us, right? And when we go through this whole scripture, man, and he, he starts talking about, man, you've been justified. You've been glorified. You've been raised. How much more does God love? Like he sent his own son for you who went down and died and was like born again. He did all this for you. Why? Because life isn't just about getting born again, but it's about giving you the ability to fulfill what God has called you and destined you to do. Right. We don't just stop at, OK, I got born again. Now things are good. We got a happy life. No, there's a calling that's been placed. And the rest of the Bible is to help me fulfill the calling that's been placed. Right. God didn't say get born again, find a comfortable seat and get there. Right. I don't accumulate knowledge just to have it. Right. I don't just sit here and want to learn the word just so I can sit down and listen to someone speak and be like, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I've heard this message. I got it. No, it's so it can be applied and put towards a goal and put towards the goal of what it is God has called me to do. Right. It's what what am I supposed to be doing? Then it goes down and says, man, no one can separate us from the love of God. Right. So we start to realize there's some things going on here that, look, God called us for more than just being born again. And then he's given us everything we need to fulfill our purpose. And then ultimately nothing's going to separate us from that except for ourselves. Right. So nothing's going to get in the way of this thing except for ourselves. And so, like I said, we're going to talk about purpose for a moment. So if we're going to talk about purpose for a moment, then we have to know what purpose is right sleeps keep falling 
So let's go to the fancy Merriam-Webster dictionary because it's fun. It says, something set up as an end to attain to. Something set up as an end to obtain to. Purpose is something set up as an end to obtain to, right? I love goals. I love giving myself something to obtain to, right? And God says, look, I gave you life, and then I gave you something to obtain to with your life, right? Every single one of us has been placed here, right? We've been, you know, in Psalms 139, 13, Psalms 139, 13, it says, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's room. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and scarcely wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book, we are all, writ- are all written the days that were ordained for me when I was yet was none of them, right? So God foreknew or he had the knowledge of us beforehand, right? So no matter what our raising situation was, God knew what it was going to be. And see, what I love about that is because ultimately, if I know that God gave me purpose and destiny and then gave me the ability to obtain it, then ultimately he's saying, look, I knew what situations you would go through and then I equipped you to handle every one of them. Right? So I didn't just set you off something, right? This isn't just like a random generated, created character of like, oh, what am I going to do with David? Push a couple buttons. We've got David. Hello, this is David. What's he going to do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. You know, I'm a big, you know, video gamer. You know, growing up, I remember we used to play Sims. You know the Sims game? Right? You create like a bunch of characters and then like you give them a life. And like how this game became famous, I don't understand, right? It's just like watching this guy like make pizza in the oven. Right? You're just like, I'm going to make him make pizza. And then he's like, you know, he walks around. He's got to go to the bathroom. You got to tell him to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, he like dies. You're like, what kind of idiot character game is this that just like won't? There's a reason they leave bathroom scenes out of the movie. Like, no one wants that. Why are we adding this to the video game? Like, just let that be a part of the thing. Like, why do I have to direct this thing, right? But ultimately, God's not just up there playing some Sims with our life trying to see, ah, we'll see how this goes. This is model one. We'll see how this works out. You know, maybe I can, you know, put this thing together. You know, you know what would be fun? You know what would be fun? I'm going to create this guy. He's going to be four foot ten, but I'm going to tell him he should be an NBA player. Also, he'll have no hand-eye coordination. Jesus, let's see how it goes. Right? There's not, you know, he's not like playing with a lot. God knew us and he knew the situations we would go through. And they say, look, man, I'm going to give you everything you need in your exact life and what you're going to go through to obtain to the purpose at which I have placed on you. Right? And so we have to know that God foreknew us and he knew the plans of us. Right? Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
right? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me. See, one thing I love about God is he places it on us. Right? I'm the kind of person that just I, I like the pressure of like it being on me. I know not everyone's the same, but I'm like I'm competitive. I like sports. And like if it's coming down to the end and we have to make a play like I want the ball to be in my hands because I trust myself to see it through. Right. I like that pressure. I like the weight. I like to thrive off. of. It. And God's like, look. I'm going to give you the ability to do this. You seek me and you will always find me, but you're going to have to seek me. Right? Because ultimately, I'm not giving you any excuse. Because if you seek me, you will always find me. But in the end, I can look back and say, did you seek me? Right? He places the responsibility back on us. And so what are we going to get out of God and our relationship with God? We're going to get as much as we seek for. The more we seek, the more we'll get, the more we'll grow, the more we'll learn. Right. But if we just sit down and kind of stand idle by and wait for God to reveal himself to us. No, it says, seek me and you will find me. Right. That's why we have so many people who are like, man, I don't know what my plan is. I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't know what my purpose is. Oh, great. What have you been? Did you pray about it? Have you fasted? Have you separated time? Are you seeking the answer? Uh, well, I mean, maybe. Right. You're like, OK, so 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 how bad do we really want it then? Right. Because I know like when you want something right, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. You know, like when you really want something, you'll do what's required to make sure it's available. You know, you'll take the extra time. Like I remember when I was in high school and like the new um, game system came out and I think I think it was like the Xbox 360 way back then. And I like wanted this thing. And like I stayed up waiting in line outside of GameStop till like six and then we got there and we just like waited for like eight hours moving through this line trying to get there why because I wanted this thing and I was willing to put myself on the line and like be out there and it was cold and I was just like sitting like I want to achieve this thing and the worse I wanted it the more I'm willing to do to get it but yet sometimes we like to like not apply that to our walk with God and think well God will tell me no God said seek me and you will find me He said, pray to me and I will answer you, right? Which means if we're not getting something out of our relationship with God, are we really seeking after him, right? Because we know he's not withholding anything, right? Jeremiah 29, it says, declares the Lord. The declares was a prophetic or a prophecy. It was a statement saying, look, I've declared something over your life, right? So we understand destiny comes in a moment, but it takes a lifetime to accomplish, Right. The minute you're born, the minute you were foreknew, destiny was placed on you. And God said, man, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to do something and it's going to take your lifetime to accomplish it because I'm going to give you an end goal to obtain to. Because if you follow me, you'll always be obtaining to something. Right. Because purpose is about a lot more than just one moment, but purpose is made of moments. 
right? Purpose is just made of a collective of all the moments we're going to have in life and the decisions we make through them. Right. So because, you know, I think it's fun. I got online and I like just Googled. And so according to some smart sciencey people, this is life's biggest decisions. The, the biggest decisions you will make in life, according to this poll of probably like 2000 people somewhere over towards California. <laughs> so life's biggest decisions. I'm going to start at 10. There's 10 of them. Ready? 10 to care for a family member or not. These are all like to care or not to care. Okay. So to care for a family member or not. Number nine, to move or not to a new city. Number eight just says other family. So, you know, whatever. That's someone couldn't make a decision on that one. Right. Number seven says end a romantic relationship. Number six is buy a home. Five is make a decision for your child. Four is move to a new state, which I guess is harder than moving to a new city. <laughs> Number three is to get married or not. Number two is to have or adopt a child. And the number one life's biggest decision is to get divorced or not. Which really isn't a decision. I mean, you just don't, right? <laughs> Marriage, right? We work it out. Right. But that's life's biggest decision. According to this poll. But what I find really funny that's like not on here and it might be on others, but it wasn't on the two I looked at. And I'm not, not going to act like I went extensively into what the world thought their biggest decisions were. But nowhere was it career path. Right. Which you would think would be a pretty big life decision. You know, the whole, like, what am I going to do with my life part of it? But, you know, then it hit me. It's because how many people in the world just kind of drift through life? And they get out of high school, and then they have a job, and then maybe that job got them a promotion, and then they took that promotion, and now they're getting, like, another promotion, and then, like, they never saw themselves at Publix, but now they're at Publix. Not that Publix is a bad job, but, you know, high school, a lot of high schoolers at Publix, right? So you just kind of find yourself going through, or maybe, like, you got out of high school, and then your dad was like, you can come work for me, and then you're just, like, there, right? Whatever it is, I just thought it was kind of interesting. It's like they just kind of drift. Right. Well, then on like the flip side, growing up in like the church world, like that's like the biggest decision ever. Right. Is like, what is my calling? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Especially when it gets close to like the end of high school, like everyone feels like you should have that answer for some reason of like, you know, like that's why it's like, you know, I don't I'm not going to I don't ask my kids much like now what they think they're called to do. And I probably won't in high school because you're just going to do whatever God called you to do. And ultimately, if you don't know the exact step yet, it's fine. It will. Um, right. So it's like ultimately you're like, man, stop worrying so much about this big picture end goal, because if purpose isn't a goal to obtain to, then it means I'm going to go through levels and seasons and phases and different things. And God's not revealing the end plan to me just because I turned 18. Right. Or he's not revealing the end plan to me just because I'm going to turn 30. Right. Where I'm at now, I don't think I'm going to potentially be in the next 60 years. Right. But I don't limit myself to whatever it is. 
right? But ultimately, these decisions we make will define and, and become what our life is. These moments we have in life are going to decide our purpose and if we stay on track or if we get out. Because ultimately, this list of 10 are still decisions that most people are going to have to face whether you're in the world or not. The difference is we just go to God to find the answer first, right? We eliminate the hard part of the decision-making process if we just seek after him, then we know the answer is there, right? Most times we just get into the problem of wanting it in our timing and wanting what we want, and then we make a decision not because we really have an answer, but because we're not patient enough to really get one. Right, because life isn't made of the purposes that we decide, the moments we decide are moments. No, it's made of the moments God's going to give us and have us ultimately say, look, do you need to move? Let's pray about it. Let's find out. When I graduated, you know, when I was getting ready to graduate before um, I got married, you know, to my wife, um, Alyssa, I asked her, I was like, do you see yourself leaving Florida? Because at that moment, she had never lived anywhere else, never been outside of St. Augustine. And I knew I'm not staying here. I already knew I was called to go to Valdosta. And so I was like, do you see yourself not here? Because if you can't see yourself somewhere else, then obviously this isn't the right connection. Right. But it was a, a moment in decision in time. I had to decide that I could either continue to pursue her, whether she felt like she was or not, or I'm going to just follow after God. Ultimately, she was like, yeah, let's go. I see that. And so we that connection, that purpose, that moment was decided and we knew we were going to go somewhere. Right. Then when the moment came to leave and go to Valdosta for me, I knew, man, when I got there, I didn't look past it. To me, that was like, this is where I'll be the rest of my life. Like I go into that season like I'm going to give it everything. Ultimately, God called me back here and we moved here. But in those moments, we didn't just make these decisions flippantly. We took time and prayed and thought about it and followed peace and did these steps because I know these moments ultimately make up our purpose. And just like we have moments, these moments can take away our purpose just as quick. I mean, come on, look at Moses. I mean, all Moses did, right? God calls him. Dude sees a burning bush on fire, sees a miracle, talks to it, rescues his people with, with Aaron. They're alongside. He's got them out there. They cross the Red Sea. That thing holds up that staff, right? Dry, dry ground. They're walking across. You know, regardless of what National Geographic's you know, like to say, well, well, it was, you know, the springtime and the water had receded just right. And a strong northeastern wind swept across the valley, causing the water to move to the side for them to walk past. No, nah, man, there was walls of water and that thing was separated. I'm all like, fine, science won't prove the word. Let's do it. I don't care. God can use northeastern wind to put up some walls. But it said there was walls. There was walls. They didn't walk across on two inches of water. They walked across on dry ground. I'm not like, finding some other way to explain that, right? So he walks across. Then he's got his people, right? All these people walking. What do they start doing? They're like, man, we're hungry, right? Just like any group. If you've ever traveled before, man, you land that plane like... I'm hungry, man. I'm so hungry. Man, I went to Iceland, like, I guess it's two years ago now with a group of guys. And you're like, 
you know, my bag weighed 50 pounds, 48 of it was the food. You know, it's like just bringing snack. Our, like we get our rental vehicle, the first stop is the gas station, not for gas, but for snacks. You know, you're like, we just need so-and-so. You know, like, I traveled with like six guys and there was a bunch of complaining about food, right? Someone's like asking them, it's like, hey, this fish jerky, does this smell? <laughs> the lady at the gas station, straight face, no, I went, no, no, no. So we're like, okay, let's try it. Open that bag up. Instantly fills the whole vehicle with fish. Such a lie. Just the worst, most disgusting smell that is now stuck in the vehicle forever. Right? So these people are complaining about food. Moses is like, man, food's being provided. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, you get in this food every day. It's like, it's the same thing. I'm just eating the same thing over and over. I could just keep having the same food. And it's like, you're getting food for free. What's the problem? Like, you know, I got four girls now. I'm like, man, you got food. Why are we talking about being the same thing as last night? That's what chicken was what was on the menu for the rest of the week. <laughs> like, enjoy it. You know, my daughter recently, Luna, you know, got prayed over during Lim Faith. She can eat gluten now. And now, like, her go-to question is like, does this have gluten in it? It's like, it doesn't have to have gluten in it for you to eat it. <laughs> like, just because you can have gluten now doesn't mean I'm obligated to like make sure the meal's got gluten in there. She's like, well, you're making brownies. Are they gluten-free? I'm like, yeah, because the gluten-free ones are better. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. Eat the brownie. Like, what are we getting so picky for? Right, so Moses' people, they're like, man, we want food. Moses is like talking to God, like, what are we going to do? What's he do? He hits the rock twice. In a moment of frustration, he lost the promised land. God told him, look, man, you, you're done. I told you what to do. That's not what I said to do. That's not how I told you to get water. You're not going to see the promised land. What you're going to do is you're going to walk around it now every day and stare at it like a loser, knowing you're never going to have it. All right, people think, man, you punish your kids, you be so harsh. I'm thinking, dude, I ain't never punished my kids so harsh. I was like, you can't have the brownie. Matter of fact, what you're going to do is I'm going to put brownie on a napkin. And you're going to look at it. While everyone else eats it, you're just going to stare at the brownie and know you can't have that brownie. I mean, God got some pretty strict discipline, man. Moses like, you're, gonna, you're not only not only you're not going to make it, you're going you're gonna to keep leading them. Walking around this thing for 40 years. You're still in charge. I'm not even replacing you. You're just going to lead them around, staring at the thing you're never going to make it into. And Moses like, ask, like, you should, you know, just like a kid, right? You ground them, and they're like, am I still grounded? Like, I mean, I, unless I told you you weren't, then yeah. And Moses like, you sure I can't have the promise? He's like, no, don't ask me again. You chose your moment of frustration over the promised land. You chose to be led by your emotions and you lost your purpose. I gave you the option to do it my way. You chose yours. And in a moment, it was gone. And because we like two or three witnesses, we're going to go on. Who's another person? Saul. I'm not talking Saul turned into Paul. We're talking King Saul. Right? God's sitting down like Liz people, and they're like, man, we want a king. God's like, I am the king. What are you talking about? It's like, no, we want to see a king. We want like a physical king. It's like, I'm the king 
of kings. There's no other king but me. What do you need a person for? Like, so ultimately, they're like, no, we want to see a person. Like, look at this guy. He looks like a king. Make him a king. So they make Saul king. Right? Saul goes out, wins some battles, does some stuff. God's finally like, look, what you're going to do is you're going to go in the city. You're going to wipe it out. You're going to destroy everything that breathes and moves. Take nothing. Leave it all there. Saul gets there. They win the battle. And he's like, you know, man, those are some good sheep. Like, we got to do a lot of sacrifices. That's what seems like a waste, right? So here's what we're going to do, what God has already, what God told us once to do in the past, right? Because he already said to do it once and it was okay with him then. So we're going to continue to do what God had already said we could do. And I'm going to negate what he told me to do now. I'm going to stay living in the past situation that he placed me in and not move into this new one with this new rule he just gave me. Right, because with every level of relationship with God comes a tightening of what's required and a new standard. And Saul said, look, I don't want to live at that standard because this is some nice stuff. Look at all this gold. Look, we're going to give it to God, too. Doesn't he want me to be successful? Doesn't he want me to have all these things? Doesn't he want God's people to look blessed? Right? They convince themselves of something. Right? Then we got a prophet showing up, which I just think is hilarious because he could have came up and said anything, but what does he do? He like walks up and he's like, Saul, what's that I hear? And that sounds like a cow. Nah, man, that's a uh, Philip. He's got a stomach ache. There's no cows here. We killed them all, man. That's what we're supposed to do, right? You know, we sacrifice to God. It's like, no, nah, I hear something that I shouldn't be hearing. Something that shouldn't be kept. And Saul lost his anointing in a moment. Living off a word God had once gave him. And in a moment... He lost his kingdom. Now, we know he anointed David, and it took time for that transition to happen, but it was gone. It was moved on. He said, right now, David's going to be anointed. You're sitting in someone else's throne because you chose something I told you not to. You had a moment, a decision to move on to the next level or to stay where you were. Right? Life is, and purpose is moments. And we build these things by growing with God because as many moments as we get right and we get closer, right, just means every moment now needs to be even more real to us. Right? I mean, like the ultimate moment, right? If we go back to Genesis with Adam, right? God creates man, God gives him a woman. They name all the animals. They're in a garden. They got like the Pinterest life. They got all these acres. They got their chickens. They got their raw milk. They're making their own cheeses. Everybody's naked. 
Like life is good. Everyone's happy. And then God says, look, you're great, man. Keep chilling. Just don't eat from that tree. Because if I don't give you something you can't do, it's not really free will. So, I mean, don't eat from that. Show me you love me. Obey my commandments. All right, they're out on a walk. Eve's like, look at this tree. I'm like, man, if God told me not to eat from a tree, I'm like, why are you walking by it? I mean, surely this garden was big enough there was other paths. Like, what are you making this your daily circle? Like, I'm just, we just walk around the tree to make sure no one else is eating off of it. I know it's just us, but just to be sure. You know, it's like, why are you even hanging out by this thing? All right, but ultimately, what happens? A moment comes. Eve eats, looks at Adam, who by, you know, every look of scripture was right there during this whole situation, being a little mouse of a man. And then, you know, he grabs this fruit, whatever it was, you know, probably something we don't have around now, probably super cool sci-fi looking fruit, (laughs) right? Like holding this thing. And it's a moment now. I can choose to follow God's word or I can be like God and know all these things. Which ultimately is like, what do you need to know all this for anyways? There's two people on the planet. You're the smartest one. You'll be like God. Like, I basically am. I know everything. What are you talking about? I mean, what did he really think he was going to gain from that thing? Like, he's gonna, like, you can already make your own people. So, I mean, what more do you have to get from this thing? But in a moment, he eats. And man lost the kingdom, right? Lost his dominion. Really messed it up for everybody. It's like a big moment. Right? But our, all these moments, they come and they collect and we have decisions to make. And it's not all negative. I know it's like, man, there's a lot of people losing. Like, this is a lot, a lot of decisions. But obviously, like I said, as we grow in our relationship with God, the more severe consequences come for missed moments. Right? I mean, Moses was like up there, dude. Moses saw God. His face was shining. Like, I mean, this guy was like coming down, dude. Like, I mean, he was in a place where like that moment was a big deal. Right? But you got other people too. Like, I mean, we look at David. David's known for like two things, right? He killed Goliath and Bathsheba. Like, the guy ultimately is a man after God's own heart. And we tell two stories about David. The little shepherd boy who killed Goliath and saw Bathsheba. Right? But what I like about David is he's like a good segue point to the happier side of the message. So we can start smiling again after I tell the story. Right? Right? So David ultimately, you know, takes, you know, uh, becomes anointed king. He's sitting there. He's with Saul. He's playing his harp, writing music, doing all these things. Kills Goliath. People know of David. David's rising to position, getting a place of power. Ultimately, um, you know, becomes king after Saul dies, right? Respects Saul, respects his anointing. I mean, there's a lot of great lessons from David and his just straight serving of this king who was no longer anointed and by all rights sitting in his throne trying to kill him. And David didn't just say he was called to somewhere else. 
Saul's throwing spears at him, and David didn't go, well, God has called me to rule a different kingdom because this is a harsh work environment. Right? No, I mean, David served. Right? So anytime it's like, man, that guy's like a King Saul, then be a King David and rise up. And until you get some spears thrown at you, you serve, right? David stayed underneath Saul until Saul said, find this man and kill him like a dog in a ditch. I mean, ultimately gave David no choice. There was no longer an option for David to stay. That's when David left. Cut a little piece off of Saul's cloak, felt horrible about it. Gets his place as the king, right? So up on the rooftop, I guess being a king on a rooftop, I don't know. Why not? You're king, staying on rooftops, man. Just looking over his city, I guess, just like basking. Probably like stood like this with his cloak. It's like, this is all. It's like Mufasa voice. Everything the light touches. He's out there, sees her. He's like, man, that woman looks good. You go get her, bring her to me. Decides to have a moment. Finds out his moment had some, some repercussions, and now this woman's pregnant because he just wanted a moment. Like, David's like, I just wanted a moment. I didn't want a child. I just wanted a moment. Like, I was just looking for a moment. I wasn't looking for all this. Look, go find her husband. Bring him out. And this dude, like, Captain America style, comes back, and he's like, go be with your wife. This guy's like, no, sir, my men are out there dying. I'm staying here. David's like, what's going on? Like, who's this guy? Like, I just brought you from a battlefield to go be with your wife. And you're like, I'm going to stay by the door until my men get back here with me. You know, you know, David had to feel horrible after that. Like, that, like, if you didn't feel bad up until that point, at that point, you had to realize, like, man, this guy's such a good guy. And David's like, well, I mean, I guess I'll have to kill him. Like how that flipped, like, man, what a great, what a great soldier. Anyways, get him on the front line because he won't go sleep with his wife. And we're going to like step back, make sure this guy dies because I got some stuff to deal with now. Okay. And so this guy dies. David ultimately wanted a moment and now he's like murdered somebody. All because he wanted a moment. Then, you know, once again, you know, these uh, prophets are all comedians, I feel like, a lot of times. The guy comes up and he's like, so there was a guy who had some sheep. And David's like, okay. He's like, yeah. But he had one sheep that he loved more than all the other sheeps. I don't know. We'll say her name's Shmashmeba. <laughs> right? And David's just like, yeah, I love sheep. He's like, but then another guy who had even more sheep came and was like, that's a nice sheep. I want that sheep and took it. And David's like, find him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to gut him. Ain't nobody touching other people's sheep. And then the guy's like, it was you. And David's like, I walked right into that. Like, I don't know how you didn't see that one coming. David's like, wow, that really was pretty clearly me the whole time. Right, and then David felt absolutely horrible, falls on his knees, repents with a true heart of repentance. 
and becomes a man after God's own heart. Right? There was moments because this thing snowballed quickly. Right. I mean, he calls her over. She's pregnant, kills the husband. Prophet comes. Prophet knows David could have just as easily in that moment been like, kill this prophet. This story can't get out. I mean, he could have just as easily made another moment to keep escalating a situation he was in. But instead, he turned towards God and realized, man, I blew it. I messed up. He lost the child. Because sin has consequences. And no moment of sin is worth the consequence that it brings. Right? No moment of sin is worth the consequence that will always follow. That's why we can't take moments lightly. Right when we get in our walk with God, we're like, man, I think I might need to change jobs. I think I might need to move cities. I think I might need to do this. Right? We don't just make flippant decisions because that's a moment now that I could put myself on a course that I can't correct anymore. But if I catch him quick enough, I can be like David and repent and be a, God, a man after God's own heart still. Because not everyone makes wrong moments, right? Because then you got Joseph. Once again, like we talked about, when you want to talk about someone who is like, you know, new, they, like Joseph was born into a pretty weird family situation. Like you want to talk about like a weird family upbringing. Joseph was in it, right? And then grows, just starts to grow up and becomes like his dad's favorite. And his dad's like, I'm going to buy you a coat of many colors. I'm going to give it to you. And all of his brothers are like, man, why you got so special coat? I want a special coat. Like, he ain't giving me no special coat. Then you got that one brother that's like, let's kill him. <laughs> right? And so what? He's like, man, you know, the other slave's like, look, that might be a little harsh. Let's just sell him as a slave. Like, that's a better option. He's like, well, he's still alive and we make money. So win, win, win. David's gone. He's not dead. We have money. Win. And the guy's like, kill him. He's like, no, we're going to sell him. Right? So they sell him. Right? So Joseph's got this moment, man, where he's like, dude, my brothers just literally sold me to someone else, which means, man, I could, he could start carrying like a fence. He could be bitter. He's like, he's like, I had a dream that everyone was going to be bowing in front of me, and now I'm being sold like a slave. They ripped up my nice jacket. It's cold now. Right? But ultimately, he's like, nah, I still believe God has a plan for my life, and I'm going to follow his purpose. So in that moment, he chose not to be offended. He chose not to carry on. And God ultimately was able to, to bring him into a situation and said, look, I, you're a slave, but you're going to be the top of all of them. Right? You seek after me. I'm going to give you the best of the Right? Because you love me and are called according to my purpose, I'm going to turn this situation good. So although it's not ideal, I'm giving you the best there is here. Right? Then you got Potiphar's wife. 
Looking at Joseph like, man, want some of that? And Joseph's like, look, woman, it'd be a sin against my God. Right? Because ultimately, you know, like Joseph knows this isn't just about what I want now and what I can have now. It's about the fact that God would know. You know, because in the end, you know, God's going to be like, look, at all the moments, it's like the Truman Show. God's going to pull, I guarantee you're going to sit in a theater of your life on 70 millimeter, right? It's going to be sitting there. He's going to be like, this was your life. These are the moments you had. Epic theater guy voice. Right, and we've got decisions we got to make. And Joseph's like, look, that'd be a sin against my God. I don't care if anyone else is around. I don't care if you said you won't tell nobody. This is a moment that I'm not going to go down with you. I'm going on God's path. Right? Husband comes in. What are you trying to do to my wife? Throws him in jail. Doesn't seem like situations are getting better. You're like, man, moment probably would have been a little bit nicer with Potiphar's wife than being in jail. But he's like, no, I'm not choosing any moment over what my purpose is. I had a dream. God placed something in me and I've got a goal to obtain to. And I'm not letting anything stop me from getting to this goal that I've been that I've gotten my heart. And even in jail, Joseph worked his way up and everyone wants to talk to him. And he's helping out all the guards and telling people's dreams. He's like, look, cook, don't forget me. Like I just told you, don't forget him. What's he do? He leaves, forgets him until like later. And then guys like, oh, yeah, there was this dude who, you know, who could tell you. Because ultimately, you know, the king was like, look, I had a dream and he didn't trust his advisors. So he's like, look, you know, I don't if I tell you the dream, you're going to give me an answer. You're going to work together and come up with something. So you're going to also tell me the dream, which like is like a silly game. Like, you know, like our kids play. Right. Has anyone ever had that where like your kids just like. What's in my hand? It's like oh, you're five years old. It could be anything. It could be a frog. It could be a rock. It could be lint. Like, why are we playing this game of like what's in my hand? Like, this isn't fun for anyone. I like to win, and I can't win at this guessing game because I've got no knowledge of what's in your pockets. You're just like, you got to guess. It's a rock. Nope, it's a piece of old gum. And you're like, awesome. Now go throw those pants away. You know, you're just like, thanks. I'm so glad we played this game. Right? And so then, you know, ultimately Joseph's like, look, I can do it. I can tell it. I'll get the dream. I'll get the answer. David goes. He tells him the dream, tells him the answer, and then tells him, you're going to need to find you a man. And I love how Joseph's like, look, you got to go find you a man, because this is a moment he could have had in and of itself, right? He, he gives all glory to God, because Joseph could have very easily said, look, there's, you know, you're going to have seven great seasons, seven horrible seasons, so you need to find you a guy who can manage all this. You know, maybe someone who could, like, tell you the dream could probably be that guy. I don't know who it would be, but I'm just saying, if someone could tell you a dream you had without knowing it, he might be a good guy to do this thing. No, Joseph's like, look, no, my God's going to give me the answer, and I'm going to know, and he's going to give all glory to God, and then ultimately that guy says, look, Joseph, you're going to be the man. You're going to be second in command. You are, everyone will do everything you say unless I am sitting on my throne, which ultimately is kind of the ideal situation. Right? It's kind of like, you know, like Prince Harry. 
right? He's kind of got it. Like he's never going to be king. It's never going to happen. And he gets all the advantage of royalty without having to worry about any of the actual like royalty stuff. Like I just get to enjoy that. Joseph's like, man, I'm going to be in power without actually having the weight of being king. Right? So ultimately, Joseph's like, man, this is what's going to happen. And then he's got a dream that comes true. A dream was fulfilled. He takes over. His brothers come. His family come. They all bow down in front of him. And he's able to look back and say, it's because in every moment I sought God. And in every moment I chose him. And I didn't sacrifice my purpose for a moment. And there's so many people out there sacrificing purpose for a moment. Making decisions because the money's good. Making decisions because, man, if I do this, more people will notice me. Where, where will this get me next? Okay, well, how will this help me? Like, yeah, I can do that, but what are the benefits for me? No, we're sacrificing our purpose for moments. You want a moment of fame? You'll get your reward. No, I want to attend the I want to obtain the end goal. Right? Philippians 3:12 through 14 says, "Not that I have already obtained it, or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in, G in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes in the games... Um, exercises self-control in all things and they then do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable therefore I run in such a way as not without aim I box in such a way as not beating the air but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others I may I I myself will not be disqualified see Paul made sure that look I'm going to fulfill my general purpose in life so that I can be in my specific purpose in life, right? Because we've all got a general purpose and a specific purpose. The general purposes are things in the Bible that God tells every single one of us we should be doing. Those are the things you can read. It applies to every single one. Then you've got the thing God actually placed and called you specifically to get to. And we will never get to our specific purpose if we don't maintain the general purposes of God, of reading his word, of having a relationship, of building these things, of making sure we're staying righteous, making sure we're not getting into sin, making sure we're not falling after things. Like you say, it's specifically what Paul says, like, like an athlete trains. Like he's willing to put himself in crazy situations and conditions to get the goal of winning something that's going to perish and be worth nothing in the end. But how much more should we be willing to put down all of those things to fulfill the God-given purpose in our life? Amen. I mean, it's crazy sometimes what, what athletes put themselves through to get to places. 
You know, I remember back in the heyday of Olympics, because I feel like the Olympics used to be a much bigger deal when I was younger. I remember watching it in like Michael Phelps, right? It was like just gold after gold after gold, interview after interview, and they're like, you know, so what do you do to stay in shape? And he's like, I eat 10,000 calories a day. And he's like, that's so much food. Like, that's so many calories. Like, you're just basically eating nonstop. Because, you know, the guy's not eating junk food. He's an athlete. So, I mean, like, healthy calories is, like, multiplied by a lot more. So this dude's, like, pounding down food, swimming, pounding down food, swimming, eating, probably eating while he swims. <laughs> guy, this guy ain't waiting 30 minutes to get in the pool after he eats. He ain't got time for that. He's jumping right in, getting right back to work. He's like, I got a goal, and I'm willing to do this thing. Like, I'm willing to compete, and I'm going to put myself through whatever I got to put myself through to get to this prize, to get this gold medal. And then we get to our relationship with God, and God's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't watch that show. And you're like, ooh, but I'm on season three. And the season finale was way too good to not pick back up. Right? God's like, look, I need you to go on this mission trip. You're like, man, it's going to be hot. There's probably going to be flies. Like, it, it'll stink. Like, you ever been to, like, Haiti and some of those places? They just kind of smell. They just have, like, a smell to them. It's like, you know, I love traveling, but there's certain places that you're like, I've, I've been there once. I'm good. You know, if I never got to go back to that place, I'd be fine. You know, I love India and all that, and but my experience wasn't awesome because we went in, like, the worst season ever of, like, smog to the billionth degree. Like, I got off the plane. You know, I love traveling, so I love getting off the plane. Like, the first thing you do, like, kind of get off the plane, get out of the airport, and you're just like, ah, new country. You, like, walked out, like, the door opened in India, and I was like, oh, my eyes are burning. <laughs> just, like, started crying. And you're like, why am I crying? It's like, it's not beautiful. It hurts. I'm in pain. Like, the, the, the people who live there are, like, wearing masks before COVID because it's just, like, smog everywhere, and it hurts. And it took, like, three days to get used to it. And you're like, am I used to it, or am I just in a constant pain that I've chosen to ignore? <laughs> and so it's like, I get back, and like, you know what? I'm fine. That was a 16-hour flight. It was miserable. It's like, why are we ever on a plane for 16 hours? Like... I've seen every movie they had to offer on the way here, and i got to watch them again on the way back. And it's like airplane movies, so you know they're the movies that no one wanted to watch anyways. It's like the new Power Rangers. You're like, this movie was trash, man. I'm like, I got nothing. I'm like, sitting on this thing, man. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we get to points in our life where, like, God's like, look, I want you to continue to go in your purpose, and I need you to leave some of this behind. And we got to look at it just like an athlete for a goal. We got to look at it like, nah, if I leave this, then I'm going to get something better. I'm going to get to obtain to something I wanted. There's a goal here, and I've got to push to get to it. You know, I've got to push to get somewhere. And we got to put ourselves in positions where, like, man, I'm not going to sacrifice my purpose just so I can be comfortable in some moments. I'm not sacrificing purpose to be comfortable. 
No, I want to obtain something. I want a goal at the end and I want to get somewhere. So I'm going to do anything I can to get there. Ban John, come on up. Right? Because no moment of sin is worth the consequence that follows. Moses, self-disqualified. Saul, self-disqualified. Samson, self-disqualified. You can go down the list where God's like, look, seek me, you'll find me. Follow me, I'll get you there. I love you. I've given you what you need. I've given you all the purpose. I've given you the ability to obtain something. All you got to do is not disqualify yourself. All you got to do is set your mind on me. It says, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But you have to seek it. You know, sometimes you get something like, you know, doesn't matter what your age is, whether you just got out of high school, whether you've been out, whether you're in the middle, whether it's towards the end, there's still purpose and destiny and plan for your life. And if you feel like I'm in a season, I don't know what it is, then separate yourself to find out. Then cut some things off. Put yourself in a season of training to hear his voice again. Or not even if it's again, but maybe just put yourself in a season of, man, I need an answer. So I'm going to do what's required in this season to get it. Because just like Saul was allowed to keep things in a season, there became a season where God said, don't take anything. And so it was no longer acceptable for him to continue to operate in the season he was allowed to at one point. And so if we're looking for the next step, then what does God want us to be doing in this season now? So that we don't find ourselves sacrificing our purpose for a moment. Because God wants us to obtain it. That's why he said, look, I already knew you. I destined you. I knew what you'd go through. And if you follow me, I'll equip you to handle every situation that's going to come your way. Because I want to see you get there. Right? Just like I want to see my kids be successful. My oldest daughter, London, wants to play basketball. Like, she, she just loves it. It's like, I want to see her be good. So I'm like out there. I don't know nothing about basketball. I was never a basketball player, but I'm like watching videos myself, watching master classes, looking at YouTube videos on how to train kids. Why? Because I want her to be successful and I want to equip her as well as I can to be good. I'm putting her through summer camps with basketball so that she can continue to get better and craft this thing because I want her to succeed to her best ability. And I'm going to be the one that gave her so that if she decides she can or she doesn't make it, it's not going to be because we didn't give it everything we had. How much more has God up there like, man, I want you to fulfill this purpose I've placed in your life. I want to see you accomplish this thing. I want you to have the story that's like, I've ran the race. I've done it. I won. It's my life was a success. In every moment, I chose God. In every moment, I chose my purpose. I left my comfort zone. I left what was known, and I followed you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. 
If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.